Hello, hi Tsipi, hi, hi everybody. Tzili. Shalom, shalom. Hi, I'm speaking English, right? Listen, Arien, this is the second time you are with us, and the main reason is uh, that something happened in the world and terrorism is like all over the place. We just need to say that Professor Arie Oklansky oh, right. is an expert on radicalism, terrorism, de-radicalism. Uh, and we spoke during the corona. Yes, we did. About radicalism and terror. And things got worse. Is it? I think that the general situation uh, in the world is uh, very dangerous. And they, there are reasons for it. There have been several developments over the last several decades. It's not something very new, but it's been cumulative. It's been growing. First, there was, there is, and there has been the globalization that leaves millions of people behind, feeling that they are, they do not count, that they not, do not matter. Some, like ourselves, perhaps, benefit from the connections from the ability to travel, from the uh, ability to connect with others all over the world. But many people do not feel that they are part of that big party and they feel left behind. There's growing inequality, economic inequality that uh, Thomas Piketty uh, illustrated in his important 2014 book. So globalization is one thing that introduces great uncertainty in millions of people. Uh, beyond that, there was the financial crisis of 2007 to 9. The recovery was very slow and still not complete. There was a, there is the, there has been the immigration crisis uh, that uh, in 2015, a million of refugees from from Syria and other places swamped over Europe and produced tremendous pressures on the societies of these countries. Uh, the immigration problem is not getting any better. Now we have immigrants from Ukraine, from Afghanistan, from a variety of different places, from now from Russia, uh, from, from Hong Kong, from China. People are escaping, people are moving. There is a, a prediction that by, uh, because of climatic events, uh, that by the year 2050, there is now 100 million displaced people in the world. So they are suffering great uncertainty. They exert pressures on society to uh, accept them. And this is in comparison to what happened after the Second World War, which was the record number, about 14 million. Now it's 100 million. There is a prediction that because of climate change, by the year 2050, there's going to be a billion Right, right, right. But Arya, so, I want to ask you something. It seems to me that, and you're, we have to mention that you're dealing from the psychologist point of view because you're a professor of psychology of all these subjects. There, there are a few things. One, that it, as we know over the years, people in many areas of the world don't really care. Things happen in certain places. They care for few, they care for some, they don't care for others. But the main heavy weight of the moving parts of population is, is coming to certain areas of the world. It's Europe, it's the United States. We don't see people 
running to Africa. We don't see people running to the Far East. There are some condensed area that cannot handle these uh, numbers. How can you, how, what do you do with this? Well, first of all, uh, people f first escape to the countries that are made possible to escape. So for example, the large number of Syrian refugees is in Lebanon, Jordan, and Turkey. Turkey has now about 4 million refugees, which again, you know, unsettles, introduces a lot of instability into Turkish politics. Uh, it's uh, causing Lebanon to collapse. It's uh, endangering the economy of, of, of Jordan. And it, so, so, you know, people escape where they can escape to, and usually it's to the nearest countries. Uganda has many refugees. Uh, a lot of Africa, because of the conflict in African countries, people just go across the border. They would love to come to United States. They would love to come to Canada. They would love to come to Europe, but it's not always possible. In any event, uh, the, the immigration crisis that is uh, growing in magnitude is introducing a lot of uncertainty. You mentioned psychology. Uh, I may be biased, but I think it's all psychology. Of course, of course. It's all psychology. Uh, John Stuart Mill, the famous 19th century philosopher, once said that all social problems have their root in the human nature. Psychology is about the human nature. Change. So it starts with an individual, but it progresses to social movements, uh, to, to leaders' ambitions. And it, it it's the human psychology that changes the world. Let's take Putin, for example. Putin's ambition, Putin's quest for significance, Putin's dream of renewing the Russian empire is what's causing now you know, the, the first world uh, war in Europe after Second World War, tremendous instability, possibility of nuclear confrontation. Uh, and this is because of a psychology of a single person. He surprised me more uh, than anybody else. Yeah, but you see, so you spoke about feeling marginal, feeling that we, uh, you know, dismissed. Um, so how how it's possible, how it comes that this psychology of individuals, the individual feel that doesn't count, is is underprivileged, nobody look at him, nobody, no, like he's transparent. Exactly. So don't they need a local leader to bring them together? As exactly, people? exactly. And that, so this uncertainty, and you know, I, I would add also the pandemic that uh, produces a lot of anxiety uh, all over the world. This situation creates a vulnerability. People want certainty, and they want certainty that promises them significance and mattering. And that vulnerability is exploited by political leaders that understand that promising them, you know, portraying the situation in black and white, there is an enemy that is responsible for that. It's the Jews. It's the immigrants, it's the government, it's reptiles. There are different conspiracy theories, but they are very similar in structure. There is an enemy that is making you miserable. There is somebody responsible for your misery. And all you need to do is to join the leader that will conduct the fight against that, uh, that enemy. Make America great again. Make Germany great again. 
make Israel strong, make India, the greater India. Right now in India, there is you know, a very authoritarian leader, Modi, that is dreaming of greater India, the, uh, India that will uh, encompass Pakistan, Nepal, Bang and Bangladesh. So, you know, these dreams uh, promise. So who is blame? Who Modi and people like him, who they are blaming for the situation? Because the situation is not easy any, you know, everywhere. So who they are blaming? They are usually right wing. They're they're blaming they're blaming. Uh, for example, in America, uh, they are blaming uh, immigrants. They're blaming the government. They're blaming Democrats. They're blaming uh, the Jews. They're blaming, you know, they, they find different enemies. But you know who they are blaming is not so important as long as there is an enemy, somebody to fight, uh, and. So that, but what is the distance one has to walk from being um, feeling what we just said, you know, and going into terror? What what is the distance? What is the journey one has to make from going from feeling psychologically detached, Very joining sure. groups uh, who are led by leaders like Putin or Trump, and then crossing over to terrorism? It, it depends how uh, how big is your misery and how strong is the influence of the social group. Yeah. Uh, so if you feel very uh, disempowered, very humiliated, there is a group that promises you that uh, you, you you can be uh, transmitted transformed very quickly. Uh, if the misery is great enough, uh, the urgency of finding the solution can be very strong, and you can be transferred overnight. Sometimes it happens in a conversation between several people, a, a bunch of guys over beer. They say, you know, this guy is right. This, th These are the enemies. We should do something about it. And they do something about it. They, you know, for example, they may uh, travel to Syria to fight with ISIS or, uh, or join a, a militia in... it's not ideal but it's also as a it's component of ideology right some ideology Ide Don't ideolo go to Syria. it's not ideology it's an ideology idea there are three parts i think we talked about the three parts of it one yeah. is the human motivation the second is the narrative that tells you how to satisfy the motivation so if you feel uncertain and and weak and and humiliated uh the narrative that tells you how to become strong and and to matter again to be significant right. is the ideology the ideology does not have to be very complicated it has to say to acknowledge your misery to identify somebody who is responsible for the misery and to identify a method what to do in order to overcome that misery right. and deliver you uh, to make you great again it's make so it's make you so it's empowering you it's empowering you. It's a very empowering ideology. You become part of a very strong group and you become important because you're part of the whole uh, action. So there is very little one can do in terms of trying to change, you know, uh, attitudes. Once a person is, sta is, is starting in this journey, is there any way to stop it? It's very difficult. Let me just add that it's not just the individuals. It allows the emergence of authoritarian leaders and authoritarian regimes. And authoritarian regimes like that of Putin or Modi, or perhaps, you know, in our country, if Trump came to power, 
authoritarian regimes are, are very bad for democracy because they need to remain in power. They do anything to remain in power. And therefore, they also identify external enemies. There is well-supported theory in political science that autocracies are much more likely to enter into war than democracies. Because authoritarian leaders do not have any constraints, do not have any other voices that, that, that re restrict their ambition. And but I think also, uh, Arya, that uh, most of us, most people, they don't have um, strong ideas. They're like in the middle, and it's very easy to move them, to sway them from one side to another, because all of us have a range of abilities to be from good to bad, all of us, yes. in, different, in different levels, and depends who is where and which one is the higher level. And I think most people rather to be with the strong side than with the weak side and also become um, to have the power to control the others. It feels good. It makes them feel yes, good. Exactly. That they do bad, it has nothing to do with this because it's there. And then they don't even think about it that after two minutes it can switch and they can be on the lower side and somebody can control them. But I think that the majority of the people is right there in, in between and in the middle and depends who gets there first, which which force gets there first to bring it out of them. And, and it usually works against us. But exactly, exactly. It's not a fair fight. Uh, yeah. it's, it's not, these ideologies have great appeal to people. Extremism and, and the, the kind of black and white Thinking is very, very attractive. Very it's rewarding. clear. It's clear. And it's, it's clear and it's promising a lot. So, yeah. you know, you see in Europe uh, a very strong uh, movement to the to the far right. Yes. In Germany, you have Alternative für Deutschland. For the first time in the Bundestag, the strongest opposition party is basically a neo-Nazi party. Mm -hmm. uh, you see it's now in Italy. Get recognition. Yes. In Italy, for the first time, you have a fascist, a neo-fascist party. We also it's have a new right. fascist, you know, Bendrium. I'm not kidding, you know, but we know that. Definitely. And, and the media, okay, so what's the role of the media? Because in the case of Israel, Bendrium is getting on the pedestal from the media. They invite him to every every program. Um, and it's really... But I, but I think that there's a thin line when it comes to the media, because the media sometimes forget and they want reaction and they want high rating and yeah, they yeah, want yeah, but a no, strong no. voice and without even noticing they're helping him of instead course. of blocking it but it's not because they want to help him it just it's not uh, they're not stupid they know exactly what they're doing if you tell them if you ask them outside their broadcasting uh, studio what do you think he said well he's terrible he's a fascist right. but, they, but, but they, they get ratings with him they are selling a product. Right. Uh, that's right. That's right. How can, but how can you, so how can you uh, consciously, right, lead a country to become extreme or uh, open the door actually to outrageous behavior? I think it's very overwhelming to most people to have this amount of uh, invaders, you know, that they check their position. And if you have a leader that takes advantage of it and then he can grab everybody to his side, 
he can have a whole army of uh, bad ideas. So what can we do? Like a person like me, I really, truly, therefore I ask you to come because I need to take it out a little bit. I feel hopeless. Well, okay. I think that all, all we can do is try to uh, join the forces for moderation and for democracy, right. uh, continue the dialogue, never give up because this, you know, we can we can we, we have to make democracy and right. moderation attractive we have to make uh, the ideals of peace attractive yeah, but what is re what is the rewards for what you just the, said the rewards horizontal is, the, to the empowerment and the rewards when you're extremist fight for peace not fight violently okay. but sacrifice for peace be a hero of peace be a hero for moderation you keep these and, voices alive and going all the time because exactly. waves are coming forever as long as you have people in the world you'll have it so we have to keep exactly. going so uh, right now we are the very dangerous uh, inflection point in the world we need to uh, bring people together around different ideas give them significance and meaning in a social movement that fights for what we believe is the good. But the look what happened in Israel, you know, when we grew up, you know, everybody, you know, had a, some kind of corruption and mishandling, but it was a country which sustained its values, right. democratic values, solidarity um, for a long time. And then it suddenly it started to change. And now very few people are you know, I think, I don't know what is the percentage, but it's really but diminishing. Simply, you forget one thing. You're talking about the times that Israel was built. So everybody were united in one thing. They wanted to build a country and to protect the country from the, its enemies. The, the country, it's, it's built and it's strong and it's, uh, the abilities are very, very powerful. So now everybody goes their way and they start to pull for another direction. Yeah, but again, most of the people who are going right, most of them are the underprivileged or Not middle, necessarily. A lot of, I said, a lot, of, I said a lot of them. I think there is probably this some is, statistics. Yeah, no? This is automatic, but I'm talking about people like us that go to the right. right. That's what right. scares us. Right. But you know, Arya, I want to ask you something. The psychology behind the need to mock one group of people because as you know um there's a big group of people that always mocking israel with the palestinians and i'm not getting into what's right what's wrong because we know what we think about the whole thing and the, um it's known we don't have to go there but there is there's so many places in the world with so many problems but they choose only to mock our area and the israeli uh, it's not to mock, it's go against. It's actually... And what's the psychology? Why people choose only that and prefer to keep one area only with no proportion for the rest of anything? And especially against Israel or the Jews. You know, they, they don't they confuse the two. You know, anti-Semitism has been around for thousands of years. Yankale has alerted me has an important book by a Princeton professor, anti-Judaism. It goes back to uh, ancient Egypt. And it uh, is uh, insinuated itself into uh, Christianity, all the great, because there was, you know, there was a, a competition who of the revelation, who did the God reveal themselves to? And how can it be that it's the Jews 
So the Jews were first, but then they betrayed God. And it's a very important part of religion, of, of Christianity, uh, to see Jews as traitors, as a, a kind of people who need to be punished throughout their How life. How can they keep it so uh, vivid and so uh, alive, this notion? It's a, a very old notion that it's very, once you have a notion like that, once it's grounded in the religion, it's grounded in culture, you see it in Shakespeare, you see it in Bach, you see it in T.S. Eliot, you see it throughout wow. the literature. Uh, it, it, you know, it's part of the DNA. It's right. part of the DNA. That, yeah, that there is something wrong with the Jews. There is something wrong. We don't even know. But now when, when you can put some content on it, uh, you know, the Israelis are exploiting the Palestinians. It also gets assimilated to the idea of the third world being colonized by the, by, mm. by, by the developed nations and Israel is now exploiting it's like you know the, the the you know the the African Americans here are uh, exploited by the whites. There is but how the government who knows what you are saying encourage settlers who actually are manifesting the occupation uh, and and you know against other people. We we were the only ones. Now we have Putin. How the government don't understand that this hatred and anti-Semitism is fueled by that? The government cares about remaining in power. All politics is local politics, and people, so people care but, about. But, but this is reality. But it's very sad. This what can reality. I tell you? This we is should the, family, We should go to the parliament. This go. is our nature. Maybe. This no, is no, our I nature. I don't think they will take me now. The politicians care about. People care about what is very close. They do not, you know, th there is in psychology the idea of time discounting. Something that happens in, in the future, you know, uh, there, there is uh, this proverb, uh, you know, this, uh, this story about a, a Jew who said, you know, by, by his, uh, uh, the nobleman for whom he was working, that if he doesn't teach his horse to speak, he will die. And the, 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 the Jew said, I'm going to teach him, just give me a year. So you know, people ask him, how are you going to teach a horse to speak within a year? He said, within a year, the horse might die, the, the, the nobleman might die, or I might die. So you know, there is time. So it just goes to show that, that the present is, is uh, exerting the power. The, right. the future... You know what's going to happen? Climate change, climate change. You know, Ari, you're a witness that I, for years, I'm asking actually you. Now I'm asking Harriet to join you to find a, a a body of people who can produce a vision for the future. I think that some people are here. Like we don't hear them. It's not. It's it's just not too many. But Harriet. From your experience and looking, and looking backwards through the whole history, is there any time frame for a radicalism to hold before it melts again into quiet time and how much it takes to rise again? Is Can it you in cycles? Something? Cycles? Pattern? Well, unfortunately, uh, it's huge cataclysms like a Second World War that gives people 
pause that tells people, okay, this was too much and yeah. maybe we should do something different. Right. Uh, because otherwise, uh, and you know, right now with the power of uh, the weapons that people have, uh, with the nuclear possibility and the, the, the nuclear club is growing, Iran is going to have it, North, North Korea is going to have it, everybody else is going to have it. Uh, it's becoming extremely, extremely dangerous and we can uh, well blow our planet. Uh, so, you know, I, it, does, it doesn't subside in, uh, in and of itself unless there's a very strong opposition. We need to, you know, to, to fight for it. We need to create a movement uh, that is opposed to it, opposed to um, anti-democratic ideals. To... NATO doing it? Pardon? NATO. NATO is trying to do it, but NATO is primarily concerned about security. Right. Uh, I the think United we... Nations is supposed to do something, but they the United don't... Nation is numb. It's really... They don't uh, accept to come to talk. United Nations, again, you know, it's politics, because in, in the Security Council, you have veto by the Russians, and it's uh, constellations of political powers. Yeah. Uh, so we need to, to do it at the level of education. We need to do it in Israel. We do it, need to do it in America. We need to do it uh, uh, in schools, in communities, in churches, all institutions of society uh, to, to create this awareness that, and to, to create a psychological literacy, to understand the psychology of it. Because I think the key is the psychology of it. People do not understand what they are capable of and how they are seduced into but do you really see that uh, the educational system is um, is pushing towards something because it cannot even it renew itself really, it doesn't really feels that there's a um they refresh or they they build some other systems in order to get to a better place and they no, cannot even no. allow to. I don't think they're allowed to, actually. The parents don't give them, the ministry don't but give this them. Is, but this is a psychology of a bigger society because the society, it, for most people, it's hard really to change. And they are so, they're born into a situation that they have to fulfill. And change means that they're failing or they'll lose it or it will shake their lives. So it, it's something humongous that you need to really change the psychology of society societies of cultures in order to bring them to think in different terms do you know any culture that changed really dramatically to the best to the better well there were revolutions like germany makes our, germany. our society our society is changing i think you know the uh, the women's uh, status in society is improving uh, african-american status in society maybe too slowly but it's definitely improving so society can change, uh, I, I think, through movements like uh, the feminist movement or the civil rights movement or now the Black Lives Matter movement or other movements uh, from 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 the bottom up. Movements like that have impact on society. And if they convince enough people, there can be change. But I think it has to be understood oh. the psychology of it and the danger of, of, of the black, white thinking and the promises that do not have coverage that needs to be uh unmasked 
Right. There needs to be a, a place where you meet from the top politicians to the bottom movements and to agree on working together in order to make a change. But then there's always the fear that the politician would drop it because they would lose their powers. Well, so listen, it's not just it, that. And I never understood the Barack Obama when he was able to gather so many young people by the millions and millions. Once he was uh, elected, he just dropped them like hot potato, never paid attention to them again. So it's not only, it, it, it's really the psychology of why he did it. For me, it's like unconceivable, you know, because his interest was really to keep the grassroots. But, but I also think that everybody makes, you know, when you have so many hopes for somebody and you put so much I hopes, don't you don't see him through the hopes, you know? And no, you no, no, you do see, see him. I see him. No, you no. have to see the person for real. You have to see the situation for real. You no, cannot... No. I don't think anybody can explain. Uh, nobody yeah. can explain except his psychology. I, I, about I, Barack I, Obama, I, it's something I, about that person. I agree, but, you know, it's a different uh, stage when the person is campaigning and, and he sees one side of the coin and then when he's in power, he, he, sees, the power. Yeah. he sees other aspects. Terrible. Terrible. You know, ideology is tempered by pragmatism. You've got to be pragmatic. You've got to get the votes. You've got to pass the, the, you know, the laws. You, you, you've got to govern. And that requires compromises. That requires decisions. That requires sacrifices. So you know, the, the idealist that was campaigning is not the same person who is in power. And, you know, many people enter into politics fueled by ideas and they become pragmatists. And at the end of the rope, the, at the end of the progression, they all they care about is to stay in power. Yeah, it's, it's them. So tell me what the courts are. The courts can be a tool. Well, the courts, as you see, as you see, the, 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 the idea that there is separation of powers uh, the, the idea of the American system, that there is a separation between the judiciary, between the, the executive and the uh, and, and between the, the Congress, it's all politicized. It's all politicized. The Congress right now, the Supreme Court right now is extremely politicized. Right. Uh, the, the presidents appoint their appointees and they do exactly... Well, how come the Constitution allowed it? For life and, the, and then there are... Whoever chose them dictate what will be the politics. I mean, how come the constitution allowed it? Because the, constitu the constitution is is a, a flawed document. The, the, the constitution uh, is disregarding the psychology of it. It's very nice, but it doesn't work in practice. And you see how right now uh, it's, you know, it's failing uh, to maintain the independence of the three branches of government. Uh, Arya, you worked with so many uh, governments along so many side, many governments in the United States. In which one you think we were the closest to a danger, a real danger from the point of view of the Americans? I think the Trump government, for sure. And if well, Trump, Trump government is beyond. Because, no, he's you know, coming I back. Think, he's still, he's still know, there. I think that the footprint that he left, especially with the Supreme Court, it's forever. In the damage yeah, but his forever. footprint but, is every day across America now. Absolutely. But, um, but I'm talking about other presidents, not Trump. I think, uh, you know, each president uh, responded to their own times. Uh, Bill Clinton, 
uh, was trying to be a centrist, was trying to be a pragmatist. Uh, that was, you know, a, a good thing for the time. Um, Reagan responded to economic crisis and uh, he had some ideas that were good, uh, but those ideas like, uh, you know, the, the trickle down economy uh, works in certain circumstances, doesn't work now. Right. Uh, so each each president was responding to the exigencies of their own time and was trying to uh, to still govern within the constraints of the government. Uh, even Bush was trying, was respecting uh, the constraints of the American constitution. Do you uh, think that Americans handle Putin correctly now? I think so. I think uh, Putin is a very dangerous person. He's the most dangerous one and he scares the hell out of me. But yeah. sometimes I'm afraid that um, I don't know exactly what needs to be done in order to, to stop this race. I think he has to fail. He has been failing in Ukraine. I think uh, the, the more he fails, the greater the opposition that is going to uh, confront. And at the end of the day, he might be removed. And that also is a lesson. His failure is a lesson to other dictators. So, you know, what is happening in Ukraine right now is a very positive uh, set of events. The, the fact that the, the West is supporting uh, the Ukrainians and the Ukrainians are so far uh, doing very well. Uh, the annexation is just uh, a paper annexation. In, in fact, the Ukrainians are moving their forces into those regions and recouping uh, so I think that uh, Putin is uh, making mistake after mistake. There is hundreds of thousands of people leaving Russia. So there is, a, you know, really a very little enthusiasm. Once he announced this uh, uh, mobilization, uh, the Russian people feel the brunt, the price that they'll have to pay for following his uh, fantasies. But being, but losing will not make him more dangerous. Well, if he's removed, maybe uh, politicians would come, would would uh, arise in Russia that would abandon this idea of of greater Russia and would be more willing to be integrated into the you know democratic world. And uh, uh, that's the hope. Uh, he he has to fail. He has to fail, and that will be probably also. Uh, a message to other dictators who would, you know, who would otherwise be tempted, like China with Taiwan and other uh, other places uh, like that, North Korea, that just flew a missile over Japan. Yeah. So, you know, these autocratic regimes are extremely dangerous. They are extremely belligerent. Uh, they are extremely corrupt, and to you know, so they have to keep their people in check because otherwise the corruption will will uh, remove them from power. They have to find external enemies. Uh, and, and these, so, you know, the, the, if uh, uh, Putin were to fail, that would be a good thing yeah. worldwide. Do, um, yeah. No, do you see a possibility of a civil war in, in America? When people will pick up arms? It's, yeah. It's in it's, form of terrorism, right? It's uh, not uh, unthinkable. I mean, people picked up arms on January 6th. Right. 
that was it's you an know, act of terror, right? It was definitely an act of terror, a get of uh, act of insurgency. Uh, and if uh, that kind of uh, disregard for facts, disregard for the truth, uh, this kind of rhetoric is going to prevail again, uh, there could be, you know, there is a great polarization. There could be civil war in America. It's not uh, beyond. The, it's not beyond the, the possibility. Not beyond the, have, what do you know about radicalism and terror in, in China? China has a very, very uh, tightly controlled system. Uh, so, you know, they're uh, with the Uyghurs, they're, you know, basically having concentration camps uh, of education. They're very, very oppressive. Now, with the in a zero tolerance for pandemic, they're extremely oppressive. Uh, so th there is a little radicalism in countries that are extremely controlling. For example, there was uh, there was terrorism in the United States uh, during the 70s, the weather underground. There was terrorism in Italy, the Brigade Rosse. There was terrorism in, in all the liberal democracies, in Germany, the Baden-Meinhof, in, uh, in France, Action Direct, in Canada, the uh, Front de Libération de Quebec. Uh, in Russia, there was no terrorism. Uh, in Soviet Russia, no terrorism because they, they were, you know, controlling things so tightly. In Nazi Germany, there was no terrorism. Uh, so uh, China, there is very little. Uh, you don't need terrorism because they're terrorizing everybody. <laughs> so it's like it's a yeah. humongous uh, organization. Yeah, state terrorism, but if there's no. About, if you think about the Chechnyans now, the way uh, Putin shut down the Chechnyans, and now he let him do whatever he wants you know you don't need a terror organization just to join the leader exactly so your hands are full yeah 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 that's uh, you know unfortunately i think psychology is extremely important i think psychology should play a greater role yeah. uh, because it all starts with the human nature it politics uh, is you know human nature writ large Right. Ambitions of leaders, social movements, revolutions, it all goes back to human psychology. By the way, it's, I don't know if you call it terrorism, but also, of course, we witness, we witness incredible rise in violence in the cities and, uh, you know, everywhere. There's such violence. Yeah. So much anger coming out of people, um, which I don't know if this can be controlled. Well, it's interesting. Uh, we just uh, finished a paper that is now uh, in the journals or in, uh, under review on, on the issue of human violence. Uh, and after reviewing the literature on violence and, and the studies on violence, uh, we came to the conclusion that uh, violence is the primordial primitive ways of getting significance, feeling empowered. Right. Primarily for males, but also for females, there's evidence for that. Uh, if you are strong, if you are brutal, if you are violent, that gives you a sense of of of, of importance, of power, of dominance. Because you don't consider the consequences for being caught, and then, I mean, you give you empowerment, but they don't think about the the, the price you might pay. Well, you take the risk. If uh, if you want to be dominant, if you feel very humiliated, very disempowered, this is very attractive. 
violence is extremely attractive. It's very difficult to compete with violence because it's such a primitive thing. Right. You know, Freud talked about the instinct of death, the instinct of destruction as one of the two major instincts. The other one being the instinct of love, eros. Uh, but I think this instinct of destruction is extremely powerful. And it's, to me, both love and violence serve the sense of significance and mattering. And it gives you an immediate release. Yes. So the, the adrenaline. Feel, yeah. yeah, the feel is great. Yeah. Very clear. Oh, yeah. It's very direct. It's very immediate. Yeah. Can you leave us with a good word? <laughs> we must not abandon hope. We must not abandon hope. Our, our, no, 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 we are. We, we must, we must uh, you know, do what we can, wherever we can, to counter these ideas. And I think the countering those ideas begins with understanding, with psychological literacy, and with uh, creating a movement of, uh, you know, the rebellion of the decent, the rebellion of good people. Right. Well, well, well. Oh, yeah. Listen, that was uh, Thank you that was really so much. very engaging and very compelling. What can I tell you? Uh, okay, always a pleasure to, to meet with you. Thank you so and much. It was really wonderful. Hi, bye, Bye.